Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2. For several weeks, I've been on this theme of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a reason why I'm teaching on this. And, uh, And I'll tell you what that is as we get into this. If you found the second chapter of Acts, you know, when Peter, when the, when the, the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, all the people were gathered together there in Jerusalem from all the different nations of, of that part of the world and all of the different languages and the people heard the 120 speaking in other tongues and speaking in their tongues, their languages, their, their dialects and so forth. And, uh, and so they, they came together in verse 12, it says, they were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking. Listen, there will always be others. Don't let what the others say eclipse what the the first group is saying. The first group was, um, they were all amazed. The first group was amazed, perplexed, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) but also they wanted more information. What could this mean? This is the normal reaction of humanity. People, when God moves, when God is in manifestation, when his power is in manifestation, people will be amazed, some people will be perplexed, but they will want to know what is this all about. And there will be a minority, a group over here who will mock, listen, don't pay any attention to them. The mockers have always been here, they'll always be here, and and they're gonna be here when we leave. Amen. That's right. So Peter in verse 14, standing up with the 11, said, he raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, he's quoting from the prophet Joel, from the second chapter of Joel, and he continues the rest of Joel's prophecy, but the rest of the prophecy, beginning in verse 19, verse 19 through 21, hasn't come to pass yet. I said it hasn't come to pass. Verse 19 says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verses 19 through 20, 19 and 20, uh, are things that will happen just before 
the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, the beginning of God's judgment. The day of the Lord begins right after the rapture of the church. When the church is called up, then the event or the time period known as the day of the Lord is the day, the day of God's wrath, the day of God's judgment. That will happen right after the church is raptured out. So that's why those things uh, haven't taken place yet. We're in the last days, but that will happen right after what we call the last, last days. And so we're living in verses 17 and 18 right now. I said we're living in verses 17 and 18 because notice what, what verse 16 says. Peter says this, what you're seeing and hearing, the speaking with other tongues, the, the, the uh, 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 wind, the fire, all of that that, uh, that uh, came on the day of Pentecost, he said this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days. Well, we're in the last days. Well, if we're in the last days, we need to know what the last days were supposed to look like. This is what the last days are supposed to look like. What is God doing today? He's doing what he said he would do in the last days. He said he would pour his spirit out on all flesh. And he said he would do it in the last days. Well, we're in the last days. And this is what God is doing. Amen. <clears throat> now, pouring his spirit out, we found out, if you uh, had, have been in our previous services, we found out other uh, terminology that goes along with the spirit being poured out. And so let's quickly look at all of these passages. We'll just read them real, real quickly. Go over to Luke chapter 24. Now, for all of you who have been here in, in the last uh, weeks that I've taught this, if I ask you, where are these verses found that, that talk about the spirit being poured out and the spirit upon and, and the baptism and being filled? How many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many of you would think, I know right where those verses are. I could turn to them right away. Well, you know, when you come to church and, and the pastor is teaching on a particular doctrine, a particular truth, and, and he presents the scriptural foundation for that, you need to learn those scriptures. Because when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, here is the classical uh, defense that spirit-filled Pentecostal people have often given to those who, uh, who uh, disapprove or say that this is not for today. Most Pentecostal Christians will say, well, it's in the Bible. Speaking with tongues. Now, you, you know, you say what you want to. Speaking with tongues, it's in the Bible. That's, I've heard that all my life. You know, it's in the Bible. You know, that, that's not much of a, of a defense. Well, where in the Bible? And, and what is it, what does the Bible say about it? Isn't that right? Because just to say it's in the Bible, the people who have doctrines that they have developed, the doctrines and teachings of men, they also acknowledge that it's in the Bible, but they acknowledge that it's not for today. You need to, you need to know. It's not so much that you, I'm, you don't need to know these things so that you can argue with anybody. You never win a Bible argument. You never win a Bible argument. But you need to know the foundation so that you can present the truth in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's based upon your knowledge. See what I'm saying? If you don't know where it's found and doesn't, and you don't know 
uh, the implications and things we've brought out about the difference between the spirit within and the spirit upon and be able to, to, to uh, lay that in front of somebody who wants to know, then you're gonna be at a disadvantage and they're gonna be at a disadvantage. Isn't that right? Again, not to argue with people, but you need to know. And so it, uh, the prophet Joel said, Peter said, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about, that in the last days he would pour his spirit out. Well, what's the significance of that? In Luke, 20, in, in Luke 24, uh, in verse 49, now if you go back up in verse 46, he said to them, thus it was written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Notice, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. Now if you stop right there, remember how it's recorded in Mark chapter 16. He said that you, that you are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, if you, now he's talking to born again people. See, the, these believers, when just before Jesus ascended into heaven, they, they were all believers. They had been born again. Because Jesus had been raised from the dead. They saw him. They believed on him. Confessed him as Lord. We have record of all of that. So by every scriptural qualification and criteria, they were genuinely born again. And Jesus is saying, you're gonna go out and that repentance and remission of sin is gonna be preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Well, what would your response be? Your response would be, well, let's go. I mean, they were born again. They wanna do the will of God. Jesus said, you're gonna go into all the world. Well, they're ready to go. As soon as Jesus ascended into heaven, the next thing they're gonna do is they're gonna take off and they're gonna begin to go into all the world because Jesus told them to. So he gave them a a, a warning here. He said, now behold, I send the promise of of my father upon you, so tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He said, don't leave just immediately. He said, Terry, wait for a short time in Jerusalem until you are endued, that word means to be clothed upon with power from on high. So even though they were born again and and believed and were ready to preach, they wanted to go out and do the will of God. Jesus said, you're missing one important ingredient. There's something that has to happen before you can go out and you stay in Jerusalem for a short time. Just tarry there for a little while until it happens. Now, if you go over to Acts chapter one, It's the same uh, instruction is given, just a little different language, but it's the same instruction. Acts 1, 4, and being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Well, that's what he just said, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is what he just said. Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Not many days, he said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem, and now we know how long they were to tarry for not many days. Not many days, how many days is that? Well, it's not many. It's not many, not many days. He said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
John truly baptized with water, with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So being baptized with the Holy Spirit is the same thing as, as uh, the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon you or being endued with power from on high. Isn't that right? Now, bringing the word power in, if you drop down to verse eight, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in connection with the Holy Spirit being poured out, like we read in Acts chapter two, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit. So we know that means that the Holy Spirit would come upon someone, that they would be endued or clothed upon with power from on high, that, that, that is also called being baptized with the Spirit and that they'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So you see how all of this is, is talking about the same thing. Now in Acts chapter two, now these disciples were gathered together there in Jerusalem uh, for these 10 days. 10 days from the time Jesus ascended into heaven, that's not many days, just 10 days. They were there and they were in, the, uh, in an upper room praying. There was about 120 of them and they spent their time in prayer and supplication. You know, this, it's as clear as it can be that this is a picture of, of believers. This little group in Jerusalem praying in this upper room was the first local church. I said this was the first local church. It was 120 and they, can God do anything with 120 people? Well, to just turn the world upside down with them, that's all. 120, they were in the upper room, they were in prayer and supplication, following the instructions of the Lord, awaiting this great event that Jesus said had to happen. They, were, they, they, were, they didn't know really what it would involve, but they knew that it would be power, that they were gonna receive power when the Holy Ghost come, came upon them. And that this power would help them be the witnesses that Jesus sent them out to be. That what he told them to do, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature, they would only be able to do that when they received the power to do it. So they were waiting on the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they could receive this power. And it says in chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we have introduced into this terminology, they were all filled with the Spirit. So you can see being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as receiving uh, the Holy Spirit or having the Holy Spirit come upon you or being baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit being poured out. Now, why is this important? Well, what difference did it make in in these people's lives? Did Did it make a difference? It made a huge difference. Peter just a few days before, had denied the Lord in the, in the face of one little girl. One little girl made him cuss and deny the Lord. Just one little, just opposition challenge from one little girl. And he tucked, tail, tucked his tail and ran, denied the Lord. What a spineless person. 
I mean, if you, if you read the four gospels, you see that not only was he uh, prone to that, he was prone to just you know, running off at the mouth you know, too often, saying things that he shouldn't say without thinking. Uh, you know, not, not really the, you wouldn't think he was the best candidate to go out and win the world for Jesus, would you? You wouldn't think he'd make the best spokesman for the new movement. But something happened to him on the day of Pentecost. Something happened to him when he was born again. He had his character changed. But on the day of Pentecost, when he was filled with the Spirit, he, had a, he, he received a dose of power in his life. And he stood up and preached. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, you can read his sermon in about 40 seconds, 30 or 40 seconds. So it's not very long. And he might have, it might have been a little bit longer than that, but this is the gist of it. But uh, he just preached a short message and what did it say happened? It said when he got through talking, the people who, who were there, remember, they were amazed, perplexed, and wondered what it meant. And, and probably even some of the mockers were in this crowd. And when he finished preaching, he, they said, men, to, they said to him and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what, what, what must we do? What do we have to do? What do we have to do to, to receive this salvation you're talking about? And that day, 3,000 people. I tell you what, there's no accounting what God can do through one person who's been baptized with the Holy Spirit and fully yields to his power. Now listen, when I'm talking about power, we know that there are, there are some other implications of that power. For instance, he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will uh, uh, take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There are some there are some expressions of that power that fall more into the category that we like to think of as power. You know, laying hands on the sick and seeing people heal. Sister Iris, I forgot to have you give your testimony. This would be a perfect time for this. Stand up here and give your testimony. She called me the day after uh, this happened, which was two weeks ago, I think. And then she wasn't gonna be here last Sunday and I wasn't here either, so... You got a mint in your mouth, it's all right. If you spit it out, somebody will grab it. Um, three weeks ago. Hold it up close. Three weeks ago, Pastor ministered. We actually had kind of a Holy Ghost service at the beginning, and then he ministered just a little bit. And at the end of the service, he called for anybody that had any kidney problems. Well, in January, when I went for my physical, I had... Um, Blood show up in my urine, and I had protein show up in it. So my doctor sent me, she wanted me to have a 24-hour draw thing, and there was a lot of protein in it. And um, so she sent me to a kidney doctor. Well, he told me I had chronic kidney disease, and that he had done um, um, an ultrasound, and it didn't show up, didn't look quite right. And he said, you know, it, was, it wasn't normal. But anyway, well, I... 
I take my medicine every morning. I'm talking about yeah. my spiritual medicine. <laughs> Amen. I take that every single morning because there's a lot to be said about preventive medicine. Yeah. And God's word is absolutely preventive medicine. Yeah. So I just, uh, I found some different scriptures and I started standing on them. And I took my stand. And I said, you know what, I don't have to put up with this. I'm not going to have chronic kidney disease. Yeah. And he did a bunch of blood tests and he also told me that I tested pos positive for lupus. And I thought, well, that ain't going to happen either. I'm not taking that either. That doesn't belong to me. And um, I've been having trouble with my blood pressure off and on. And I do take blood pressure medicine. And I'm not going to quit taking my blood pressure medicine right now. It doesn't mean to say I can't. But anyway, I went back and to the doctor. On, he, had, he called that kidney thing. Well, as soon as he said it, something in me just said go. Now, he had already prayed for me. But something in me said, go. When pastor calls out something particular and it, it affects you, then get in the line. Don't stay back. So I did. I went up. Well, I knew when I got up off the floor that it was over. It was just a done deal. It was over. I had my appointment on Tuesday. I went to the doctor. He said, well, Miss Goolsby, he says, this looks pretty good. He says, you don't have any kidney issues. There's no blood in your urine. There's no protein in your urine. And your lupus test came back negative. <laughs> and I said, I said, you just keep on talking and I'm going to dance my way out of here. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, I, well, I just about did because I was so excited. But I knew that it was going to be a good report. Yeah. And praise God, don't ever, don't ever let the enemy tell you that something belongs to you when you know because of God's word that it don't. That's right. And you take your stand and you don't get knocked off of it. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you see, when we talk about power, most of the time people think, you know, miraculous uh, demonstrations like that where God just miraculously heals somebody. Well, that's, that's obviously an implication of power, but that's not everything he was talking about. He said that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, upon you, and you will be witnesses. You will be able to represent me. You will be able to say the things that you need to say. Amen. That's what Holy Ghost power is about. Don't get, don't, don't, allow this one idea of these, uh, you know, more spectacular manifestations uh, uh, form the whole concept that you have of this power. If you go over to second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'll show you what I mean. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul here is, is reminding the church, he's rehearsing uh, how he came to them the first time they heard him preach. When he first presented the gospel in the city of Corinth, he's rehearsing how it happened. And he said in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, 
but my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, my speech and my preaching, not my laying hands on the sick, not my casting out devils, not my raising people from the dead, not my miracle ministry. He said, my speech and my preaching were with power. Do you see that? In fact, there are several different translations that I, that I copied down here. God's word translation says it like this. I didn't speak my message with persuasive intellectual arguments. I spoke my message with a show of spiritual power. The easy to read version says, my teaching and my speaking were not with wise words that persuade people, but the proof of my teaching was the power that the Spirit gives. And then the, new, the, uh, the Living Bible says, and my preaching was very plain, not with a lot of oratory or human wisdom, but the Holy Spirit's power was in my words. Amen. Other translations say it, it wasn't with lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy. Another translation says specious words of philosophy. Another one says persuasive intellectual arguments. One said clever and persuasive speeches. You know, if, that, if, if these things do not describe the modern pulpit, I don't know what they do. I said the modern pulpit is, is exactly the display of human wisdom. Not in the message necessarily. A lot of times preachers are presenting Christ accurately, but they're presenting it with the power of human persuasion. Great oratory. You don't have to worry about any of that here. Great oratory. Great intellectual arguments. And you know, you can, you can persuade somebody's mind without changing their heart. It takes the Holy Spirit to change a man's heart. The Holy Spirit has to do something in somebody to really make a difference in their life. Amen. One, one translation said, I like this, it said, honeyed words of wisdom. I'd never heard that expression before. Honeyed words of wisdom. Just sweet and syrupy words of wisdom. He said, that's not how I presented this. My speech and my preaching were very simple, very plain, and the Holy Spirit's power is what authorized what I said, praise God. How does this apply to us? Well, we don't all have pulpit ministries, but we all have ministries. We all have the message. But you see, if you try to win the lost with honeyed words of wisdom. If you try to win the, the lost with persuasive words of intellectual arguments, if you try to win the lost with, with, with uh, uh, fancy speeches and trying to sway them with all kinds, you'll miss the mark completely. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit anointing your words so that the simple truth you tell them makes an impact. When Peter got up and preached, the, the people said, the, it, the Bible says in Acts chapter two when Peter preached that the, that the people who heard him were cut to the heart. In other words, it pierced their inward man. It cut them in their heart. And they said, what do we need to do? Sign me up. Sign me up. Where do we get in line? What do we need to do? What was that? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That power doesn't belong to preachers. It doesn't belong to the apostles. That power belongs to those who've been baptized with the Holy Spirit because that's what the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon us, that's what it's for, to give us power to be witnesses for Christ. What does that mean? To give us power to make a difference, to be able to share a simple message message with someone and have it cut to their heart. What you share with people may never be something that anyone would want to record and write down and quote for the next 200 years. But if it changes a person's life, if it talks to them, if it goes into their heart, you've accomplished the plan of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And, 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 and uh, the apostle Paul said that this power of God, he said, my speech and my preaching we're not with these flower, what do you say? Uh, honeyed, honeyed words of wisdom, lofty words of eloquence. He said, that wasn't, that's not how I preach. My preaching and my, and my speaking were in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We need to have faith in the power of God. I said, we need to have faith in the power of God. Now, now, now come on, say amen. amen. But I'm gonna have you saying, oh, oh, oh me in a minute. Do you have faith in the power of God? Amen, amen. oh yeah, do you? <laughs> faith in the power of God. What, what is faith in the power of God? You know, John Wesley Years ago, you know, he founded the, the Methodist religion you know, or the Methodist you know, um, uh, group. He said the devil has given the church a substitute for faith that looks and, hallelujah, <laughs> whoa, power. <laughs> he said the devil has given the church a substitute for faith that looks and sounds so much like faith Many people can't tell the difference. And you know what he called it? He called it mental assent. Mental assent is when people read the Bible and they say, yep, it's, that's what it says. I, I believe it. It's, that's, that's what the Bible says that. But it's all up here. It's a head faith. And see, in, in Wesley's day, there were a lot of people who were in the church who had never been saved because all they had was a head faith. They agreed that the Bible was true and and when someone would read it to them, they would say, yep, that's what we believe. But it was all up here. It had never changed their heart. It had never gotten into the inside of them and they never had any revelation. They, They only believed with their head, not with their heart. Well, faith is believing with your heart. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, if faith in the power of God is believing in the power of God. I said faith in the power of God is believing in the power of God. Isn't that what faith is, to believe in something? Well, do you know what the Amplified, anybody have an Amplified Bible this morning? You know what the Amplified Bible, if you read it very often, every time it says believe, what does it say? Trust in, rely on, cling to, adhere to. That's what it means to believe. That's not, head, that's not head knowledge. That's not mental assent. 
Faith in the power of God means to trust in his power, to cling to his power, to rely upon his power. See, now do you believe in the, in the power of God? Do you trust in the power of God? It's quiet in here. Do you rely on the power of God? So we need to take, we, we, we know we should, so everybody can say, yes, we should, but are we doing this? He said your faith should be in the power of God. You should rely on the power of God. Cling to the power of God. Trust in the power of God. Well, see, if we really did that, we'd see more of the power of God. If we're not seeing the I mean, if, if, if you're believing God for something and it never comes to pass, you're probably not believing to the extent that you trust in, rely on, and, and, and cling to, and so forth. I mean, it's gonna come to pass if you really believe it. If, you're, if you trust in something, believe in it, trust in it, depend on it, rely on it, cling to it, it's gonna come to pass. Well, we have to do that where the power of God's concerned. Our faith, our trust, our confidence, our leaning, our clinging must be in the power of God. That means we not only have to agree with it, we have to desire it, we have to expect it. I'm talking about being a bold witness for Christ. See, when the the early church, when they were filled with the Spirit, it took a group of mealy-mouthed, weak, embarrassed people and turned them into a group of bold and confident and, and powerful people in their witness for Christ. It was a result of that, but it didn't happen until the power came on them. When they were born again, it changed their heart and they had a desire to, to do God's will and that's where a lot of people stop today. We think, well, if I just want to do God's will, if I just love him and just want to, want to do right. and want... No, that's not enough. You have to have the power of God come upon you and you have to believe in that power or you won't act on it. Well, what, did, what is faith? Well, faith is first of all believing in, in the way we've described it, but faith puts a demand in it. Put a demand on the power of God. Put a demand on the power of God. When you're sharing just a little word of, of, of encouragement to somebody from the word of God, anytime you represent Jesus, anytime you represent him, expect the power of God. See, when Jesus was presented, when the Lord Jesus Christ was first presented to Israel, he came on the scene in demonstrations of the spirit and of power. The New Testament knows no Christ other than the spirit-empowered Christ. Knows no, there is no Christ in the New Testament other than a spirit-empowered Christ. Well, likewise, the New Testament, I didn't say modern times, the New Testament knows no Christian except the spirit-empowered Christian. Christian is a Christian. If Christ was spirit-empowered and there's no other Christ but a spirit-empowered Christ, then there should be no other Christian except a spirit-empowered Christian. 
And you see how most of the church world has denied the power of God. Well, if you deny the power of God, you deny the witness of Christ. I said, if you deny the power of God, you have to deny the record of Christ, the, 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 the witness of Christ. What in the world is going on here? The power, I guess. I'll believe that, I guess. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You're going to put a demand on that when you're witnessing. You, when, you, when you begin to share with someone on the inside, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be on the inside, you're going to be demanding. Now, God, I expect you to put power in my words. That doesn't mean you part people's hair and blow their you know, head back. But it means that when you speak, there is something that comes out of you that makes a difference that cannot be explained by just the words that you said. It can only be explained in a power that's in those words. See? So when you share with people, when you witness with someone, when you minister in any way, whether it's just uh, giving them uh, the word of salvation or if it's laying hands on the sick, you do that and you're expecting God. You're expecting God. See, there's, you put a demand on the power of God that it won't be empty hands laid upon them, that the spirit of God will flow through you. That's, putting a, that's, that's faith in the power of God. To not expect that is, is you'd be hard, hard pressed to say you've got faith in the power of God. When you witness to people and you think, well, they're not gonna listen and you're tongue-tied and all embarrassed and you're, listen, don't be apologetic when you, when you share with somebody about Jesus. When you're all apologetic and all tongue-tied and backing up and, you know, I don't wanna offend you and all that kind of stuff, there's no faith in the power of God. There's no faith at all. Faith in the power of God expects results, puts a demand, puts a demand on whoever's ministering. When you come to church, and maybe you're not ministering, but, but the pastor's preaching, or Brother Steve's preaching, or PG, or Miss Pastor Angela, or Miss Ain, you know, whoever's ministering or a guest speaker, put a demand on the power of God. Amen. Instead of just looking at that person and say, well, I wonder what they have today. Well, I wonder what the pastor's gonna say today. Is he just gonna, is he just gonna talk about offense again? Put a demand on the power of God operating in whoever's gonna be ministering. Because if you won't put a demand on the faith of God, put a demand in the power of God when somebody else is ministering, you won't put a demand on the power of God when you're ministering. Because you expect nothing here, you'll expect nothing out there. Amen. Woo, I told you I'd have you backing up here. Glory to God. Number three, faith in the power of God means to act on the power of God. To act on it. To respond to it. When you're, when you're ministering to someone and, and the Spirit of God comes on you, respond to it. Don't shy away from it. When you're talking to somebody and, and, and the Spirit prompts you well, they've got a, you know, some kind of, a, of an ailment or an infirmity and the Holy Spirit prompts you, be bold. Just say, listen, I, I wanna lay hands on you and, and pray for, for your, don't just say, well, is, is it okay if I pray for you? Well, almost anybody would let you pray for them. 
Can I pray for you? Well, sure. Because you don't expect much and they don't expect much. But just say, you know, is it okay if I pray for your, whatever says your shoulder? So can I pray for your shoulder? God will heal your shoulder. God will heal your shoulder right now. Faith in the power of God. Do you have faith in the power of God? Oh, yeah, we do. Really? This is faith. Faith in the power of God acts on the power of God. It, that is, it responds. When the Holy Spirit is in manifestation, it cooperates with the Holy Spirit in the manifestation. In gifts of the Spirit, if you're in church and the Spirit moves upon you to operate in the gifts, do so. I mean, when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit just as a young man, 20 years old, got back in the fellowship of the Lord, got, started going back to church, got filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us young men in the church, we were just hungry for God, you know, and just there was a revival in our church and we were just on fire for God. And I mean, the gifts of the Spirit started operating. And, and, and God started using us in tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy, words of knowledge, you know, special revelation. I mean, those things just started happening. Well, we didn't have any better sense than just to step out. It was the right time in the service and we had something in the Holy Ghost. We just gave it. And you know what? The church was blessed. Did we make a mistake or two? Yeah, one or two. My friend one time prophesied, yea, saith the Lord, I will bless you when I have time. He went. (laughs) Hope I didn't destroy the mic. He, his, his prophecy went along really good until he got right to the end. He just tagged on, when I have time. <laughs> but you know what? He didn't stop. He didn't stop obeying God. He continued to he's been a He's been in full-time pastoral ministry for as long as I have. Now. But he didn't, he didn't stop. Amen. Faith in the power of God will, will cooperate with the power of God. Demonstrations of the Spirit, when the Spirit's moving and the Spirit moves on you, don't hesitate, yield to it. Amen. Holy Ghost comes on you to, to, to uh, give a word of, of, of uh, exhortation to the church. If it's, if it's from the Spirit of God, yield to that. If the Holy Spirit comes upon you to, to shout or to run or uh, to dance in the Spirit, yield to that. Instead of sitting there and going, oh, I don't know, you know. Faith in the power of God will cooperate with the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, a long time ago, but I don't ever sense any power in my life. I don't really, the Spirit never moves on me like that. Well, you just need to get refreshed. Yeah. They were filled with with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. They were refilled in Acts chapter four. They were filled again. The same group were filled again with the Spirit. There's one initial infilling, but there are many refreshing infillings. If you haven't haven't experienced the power of God, if you haven't sensed the power of God on the job, if you you never experienced the power of God on the job, talking to other people, coworkers or your family, if you never experienced the power of God, you're just not stirring up what's in you. You're just, you just let it, you just let it uh, leak out. When you were first filled with the Spirit, think about it. When you were first filled with the Spirit, there was just something upon you that was just so dynamic and so powerful. Well, we're supposed to live in that. 
Amen. And if you never experience that, well, you, you need to get stirred up. And it's not God who stirs us up. We stir ourselves up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. He said it was put in you by the laying on of my hands, but you still have to stir it up. Well, I thank God Kenneth Hagin laid hands on me in 1990. Woo-hoo. That doesn't mean anything unless you stir it up. Amen. You got to stir it up. Stir it up, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, the reason I'm saying all this, the reason I've been teaching on this, and I'm going to close here just a minute. Go back over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. God said that in the last days, he would pour his spirit out. The days that we're living in, the last days, is not just about basic salvation. Much of the church world focuses on basic salvation. The basic uh, message of Christ as Savior, being born again, becoming a child of God, receiving eternal life, uh, uh, making heaven your real home, like Pastor Greg was talking about this morning. Wonderful, wonderful, essential. But most of the church world makes the gospel only about that. When God said that in the last days he would pour his spirit out. That means he would baptize people with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the last days, God, what, is, what, what did God say he would do? He said he would pour his spirit out. His spirit would become upon people. It would be poured out. They would be baptized with the spirit, filled with the spirit. And notice, it, they, they wouldn't just be casual Christians or, or what we would call today, that's not, it's not the right word, uh, you know, just basic Christians that just love Jesus and believe in living right and going to church and when they die, they go to heaven. No, he said, in the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's gifts of the spirit. That's moving in the power. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall, see, shall dream dreams. That's how you, how you can tell if you're young or old or not. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants. In other words, this is for everybody. Amen. Young, old, male, female, rich, poor, doesn't matter what's, what uh, status you have in the world. He said on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Well, that's these days. Those days are these days. That's what God's doing. God is saving people, but 
in the, in the New Testament, salvation then is to be followed by the infilling with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so that God, what he's put in you, can begin to flow out from you and through you and effectively reach somebody else. It's in the last days, it's about the Holy Spirit being poured out. That's what it's about. That's what the church age is about, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's what God's doing right now. You say, well, pastor, we don't see much of that. Well, we don't see a lot of it here in America. We once did. In my lifetime, I saw a time when God's spirit, I mean, it was widespread in the charismatic revival from, from the 1960s uh, through the middle of the 1970s. But I tell you what, if you're aware of what's going on around the world, God is pouring his spirit out on the nations of this world. All over the world. People from every tribe, from every religion. I mean, there's not any group that's not being impacted and in powerful ways. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of Muslims coming to Christ in Muslim nations right now. They're having visions and dreams of Jesus. God is pouring his spirit out. There are signs of revival here in America. Yeah, it's happening. So we'll, you know, you, you preach Sunday after Sunday on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, give an invitation, nobody comes. I'm telling you, the reason I'm doing this is because the reason I'm talking about this is you need to be aware of what time we're in and that your representation of Jesus to this world is also about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How is God gonna pour his spirit out on people when nobody talks about it? If nobody's talking about it, nobody's sharing it, Jesus didn't pour, he didn't, the promise of the Father didn't come upon the disciples, the apostles, without warning. He built their faith up first. They weren't just, you know, just assembling together, you know, as believers and praying and all of a sudden something happened they didn't expect. They were waiting on this because Jesus said, Terry, it's coming. They were in expectation. Well, God always gives the word so that faith can come before he does what the word promises. Well, how in the world are we gonna have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit if we're not talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Listen, be bold, don't be apologetic when you talk to people and, and, and they find out and they should find out. Listen, if nobody knows you speak with other tongues, you're not doing something right. If nobody knows you believe in the miraculous, you don't have the light you're supposed to have. If nobody knows you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your testimony isn't what it should be. But when people know that, be bold to explain to them. That's why you need not necessarily to give them all of these scriptures, but you need to know that the Bible teaches this. And, 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 that, and that today is the day of the outpouring of, that's what time we're living in. We're living in the day of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're the agents of that. We're the agents of that. Amen. So don't be tongue-tied and embarrassed and, and talk everybody out of anything you're trying to talk them into. Too many Christians, they try to talk everybody out of anything before they try to talk them into it. Well, you probably wouldn't be interested in this and don't be offended because most people are, but anyway. Well, dear Lord, 
I mean, the ABCs of salesmanship tell you, but don't do that. If you don't become a car salesman, you'd be a failure, wouldn't you? Very few people like this car. This is real controversy, controversial, and you probably won't like it either. I know your mother didn't like it, but. No, be bold. We're living in the time, in the day, that God is pouring his spirit out on all flesh and it's happening all over the world. It needs to be happening here and God said it would because he said he'd pour his spirit out on all flesh and that includes the flesh that's right here. In our, now, you know, you get everybody here in church, we're already filled, I understand that. But, but we, need to be, we need to be carriers of this message. The heart, the heart of man is hungry for power. I'm talking about the power of God. And that's why they, that's why they search for other uh, kinds of power. It's because they're, they're hungering for the real power of God. And it's contained in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, hallelujah. Let's stand. Praise God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Nahasa, Jefe Vivet, Emanasias, Sistofa Ramana, Eheredea, Susustres, Dan, Yenischestra, Asa, Ehe, Ifrivin, Fini, Ishtinana, Nena, Idasusta, Koparahaha, Rehestra, Esdivrabandono. The time has come. Do not look for a different time. Do not look to tomorrow and say, Well, God will move in one day and, and at a certain time ahead. No, the Spirit of God is in, manifest, in manifestation today. Day, the hour has come, the time is now for the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ to go forth in power, in demonstration of the Spirit, and so that the world will have faith in God's power and not in the wisdom of men. So do not give them what you know in the natural. Give them what you've experienced in the supernatural, in the spirit realm, because the answer comes from the spirit realm, not from your natural realm. Hallelujah. Well, amen. Glory to God. Stop trying to, stop trying to convince people with, with, with crafty little things. Amen. God never intended that we win the world by being cute. Amen. That, that won't get it. He didn't intend that we go in all the world and, and be clever. He said go all into all in the world with the power of the Holy Spirit and you, and you don't even always need to prepare what you're going to say. The Spirit of God will give you in that hour what you need to say. I'm not against preparing. There's a place there. You have to be in balance. There's, there's a place for both of those things. But the fact is you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit and trust in the Holy Spirit. Well, amen. Woo, glory to you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.